Hey, New Song family, Tiffany continues with part two from last week's Ditch Digging Challenge with a powerful prophetic word bringing together the seven mountains of influence and the mountain prophecy in Ezekiel 36. I know you're going to be blessed and your faith is going to be strengthened as you listen. This part two that I'm going to be sharing is actually a word that the Lord gave me right at the end of the year, right at the end of 2022. And he told me that he wanted me to read Ezekiel 36. And we're going to read that in just a minute. But what I love is that then he backed up and gave me part one, (laughs) which is what I shared last week. So part one was talking about the fire of God, that the fire of God is about to fall. And that as a church, we need to prepare so that we can steward the move of the Spirit when He begins to come in a way that we've probably not experienced or tasted before. So we talked about what it looks like to dig ditches, to hold the water of the Spirit so that the fire of God can fall and consume. And that each of us have a role to play in that, right? That it's not just corporate leadership of the church digging these ditches, that it's each one of us digging a ditch to prepare for this. So... This ties in perfectly with this word that the Lord gave me at the end of 2022 from Ezekiel 36. And we're not going to read the entire chapter. It's it's lengthy, but we are going to start in verse 8. And if you look probably at the, the heading in your Bible of chapter 36, mine says, Prophecy to the Mountains of Israel. Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 8. Now, before I read, I want you to understand the context is Ezekiel has been asked by the Lord to prophesy to the mountains of Israel. We know that the prophets got odd instructions, right? We know that Isaiah was asked to go without his clothes and prophesy to the children of Israel. So they often got these odd assignments to do. And in this situation, God is asking Ezekiel to not prophesy to the people, but to literally prophesy to the land, to the mountains of Israel. That's a little bit of a different shift, right? We're used to the prophets giving a message to the people, but in this case, Ezekiel prophesies to the mountains. We see in a couple chapters later, God tells him to prophesy to dead bones. So God uses Ezekiel as a prophet in a very unique way in this regard. So starting in verse 8, we see Ezekiel's in in this flow of prophesying to the mountains of Israel. And here's what he says. But you, O mountains of Israel shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruits to my people Israel, for they will soon come home. Now, Ezekiel is prophesying regarding the fact that the Israelites have been taken into captivity. They no longer live in their land, right? So he's saying, he's talking to the mountains, but he's including this prophecy of, hey, guess what? The Israelites are actually going to return to their land, even though they've been taken away into captivity. They will soon come home. Verse 9. For behold, I am with you, talking to the mountains, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown, and I will multiply people on you, the whole house of Israel, all of it. The cities shall be inhabited, and the waste places rebuilt, and I will multiply on you, talking to the mountains, man and beast, and they shall multiply and be fruitful. And I will cause you to be inhabited as in your former times and will do more good to you than ever before. 
Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will let people walk on you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess you, and you shall be their inheritance, and you shall no longer bereave them of children. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, the mountains, you devour people and you bereave your nation of children. Therefore, you shall no longer devour people and no longer bereave your nation of children, declares the Lord God. And I will not let you hear any more the reproach of the nations. And you shall no longer bear the disgrace of the peoples and no longer cause your nation to stumble, declares the Lord God. Wow, this is a powerful prophecy by Ezekiel to the mountains of Israel. And when the Lord spoke this passage to me at the end of 2022, immediately I knew what he was saying. And so to give you guys some context to bring you into how he began speaking to me, we have to back up all the way back to 1971-ish. And a lunch that was had between two Christian leaders in 1971. Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew, and Lauren Cunningham, who was the founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And these two men got together for lunch and sat down and discovered as they began talking that before they met for lunch, the Lord had given both of them an identical word. And it was a vision of seven mountains of society. In other words, seven areas in a culture that most impact that nation's culture. And I always forget all of them, so I'll try to remember them. You guys can help me. It's education, family, the church, arts and entertainment, media, business and economics, and government. Thank you. So those are the seven, what they came to term as the seven mountains because of the vision that the Lord had given them. They saw these areas of culture that most impact culture. And the Lord said to both of them independently, separately, it is time for my church to possess the mountains again. No longer will the church hide within the walls of the church, huddled down, waiting for me to come and rescue them. It is time for them to walk in influence, to release the kingdom of God into every area of culture, bringing solutions, heavenly solutions to these areas of culture that they desperately need, releasing sanctification and redemption. So, these men got together, they began to realize, oh my gosh, we have the same vision. Then they found out that a third Christian leader, a man named Francis Schaefer, who was an apologist at the time who wrote the book, um, what's How Then Shall We Live? Thank you, How Then Shall We Live? <laughs> Thank you. Super, super amazing thinker of the day that he had had the same vision. So three men. So this began to, I think, get some traction, but not a whole lot of traction until it began pick, to be picked up by a couple of different people. Uh, just in recent years, Lance Wallnow, who's a, a teacher and a prophet, and Johnny Enlow, who wrote a book called The Seven Mountain Renaissance. 
And they began saying, hey, God gave us this vision as the church back in 1971 through these leaders. We need to act on this. We need to actually appropriate this because this is a strategy for the church to begin to release the kingdom of God on the earth. So with that context in mind, now I want us to look at Ezekiel 36. Remember, Ezekiel is prophesying to the mountains. He's not prophesying to the people of Israel. He's actually making declaration over the land. And he's saying, you're going to have a shift. You're going to experience the redemption of God. You're going to see the transformation of God right here in this land. So I want us to look at a couple of things that the Lord highlighted to me. First of all, and this is all straight from the scriptures here. Verse 8, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit. Okay, what does that mean? Shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit. The productive land. Exactly. So what is he trying to contrast here? What's, what's taking place on the mountains at this time when he's prophesying? It's barren. They're barren. They're not yielding fruit. They're not yielding fruit. And so the first thing the Lord declares is, mountains, you are going to begin to yield fruit again. You're going to begin to have a fruitfulness that you have not had. And then he, he tags on there, and we already discussed this, my people are about to come home. So at this time, the mountains are desolate. They're empty. So he says, not only are my people going to come home, they're going to live on you again, but you're going to begin to produce fruit again. Yeah. Second thing he says is, behold, I am with you. In fact, the Lord says, I'm going to turn towards you. Now, I want us to think about this in light of the seven mountains of culture. I want you to think about the way that we view as the church these mountains of culture. Okay, think about government, education, business, the church even, family, arts and entertainment, Hollywood, for instance, okay? Do we think, as we consider those areas of culture, do we feel like in our, in our spirits, the first thing we think is, wow, God is really with those things? We don't, right? In fact, what we think most of the time as God's people is we see godlessness. We see barrenness. We see devastation. We see places where nothing of good is growing. There's no fruit. There's no fruit of righteousness taking place here. And yet God is saying to the mountains, I'm going to turn towards you. I am going to be with you. What does that mean when God is with someone or something? Mm -hmm. His presence is actually going to descend. He's going to be with them. His presence is going to be there. Next thing I want us to notice is, um, okay, verse 10. I will multiply people on you, the whole house of Israel. The city shall be inhabited and the waste places rebuilt. Because the Lord is going to multiply people on this barren land, they are actually going to rebuild the devastated areas. I love this because this ties in very closely with a scripture in Isaiah 61 that says that the generation that the Lord redeems is going to be a generation that actually rebuilds the cities, rebuilds the waste places. 
So God is saying, mountains, guess what? My people are coming back to you. My people, mountains. The, the children of Israel represent the people of God, right? Old covenant. Who are the people of God? New covenant. We are, right? So my people are coming back into you. They're going to dwell on you, and they're going to rebuild all the waste places. I don't, guys, come on. That, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. He's making this declaration to the mountains. This is about to happen. This is going to take place. And then the Lord says, I'm going to do, in verse uh, 11, more good to you than ever before. Come on, more good than ever before. Can we, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I just want to declare that right now. Like over the seven mountains, God is about to do more good than he has ever done before. This should stir our faith, church. This should get us excited about what God is about to do. He is about to move on the mountains and we're going to see him do good. We're going to see him release good here. And I love the fact that he says then, then you will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> when God starts to do good, when he starts to release good through the repeopling and regenerating, and God starts to turn his face toward this land, and he starts to do more good than ever before, then his fame will be made glorious. We will know that he is the Lord in a way that we've never known it. We've never seen it. We're going to give him praise and honor because what, what he's about to do. Okay, now we're going to get into the part that I think is so powerful. Even more powerful than that. Yes. <laughs> Can we get more excited? <laughs> okay. Then he says in verse 12, I will let people walk on you, even my people Israel. They shall possess you and you shall be their inheritance. Praise God. You shall be their inheritance. Church, this is his word to us. The mountains are our inheritance. They are our inheritance. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for this hour. Remember last week we talked about how crucial it is to know the times and the seasons that we are in. If we are not aware of the time and the season that we are in, we will miss what God is doing on the face of the earth. We will miss it, church. We do not want to miss it. And God is saying prophetically, here's how I'm about to move. I'm about to release to you your inheritance. Now, let's tie that back to what we talked about last week. Can we miss that? Can we not apprehend our inheritance? Yeah, we can. If we don't go out and start to dig ditches and start to prepare and make space for what God wants to do, if we don't take a step of faith and say, I'm going to believe God for how he has spoken to me, we can miss what he's going to do. Okay, this is our inheritance. Last part of that verse, talking to the mountains, you shall no longer bereave them of children. Wow. I want you to think about this. How many times have the mountains of culture stolen our children from us? Wow. How many times? Wow. How many times have we lost our kids to the influence yeah. of the mountains of culture? Yeah. 
and the Lord is declaring these mountains will no longer bereave us of our children. They will no longer steal our children from us. They will no longer have that authority. They will no longer have that power because they are our inheritance. Does our inheritance bereave us of children? No, it does not. Our inheritance gets passed on to the next generation and is a blessing to our children. It actually furthers our children on in the call that they have been given by the Lord. It does not bereave us of our children. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to cut this off. It will no longer bereave you of your kids. Guys, this is a powerful word. Powerful word. The Lord goes on. He says that the people of Israel have said to the mountains, verse 13, you devour people. You bereave your nation of children. Therefore, you shall no longer devour people and no longer bereave your nation of children. And I will not let you hear any more the reproach of the nations. Again, think about our culture. Think about those areas of influence in our culture and think about the reproach of the nations that has come upon our land because of the influence of those mountains. But let's just look at arts and entertainment. Think about the reproach that has come upon the United States of America because of the way that mountain has influenced the nations of the world for ill, for evil. And we bear the reproach. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to break that off. I'm going to break off that reproach. And then the last thing, I love this, I love this. And you shall no longer bear the disgrace of the peoples and no longer cause your nation to stumble. The mountains shall no longer cause their nation to stumble. Church, this is a big word. This word takes a lot of faith. (laughs) This takes a lot of faith because if this is how the Lord is speaking to his bride, that means we actually have to do something about it. We can't sit back and go, well, all right, let's see. Let's see. Okay, God, you show up and you do it. And when you start to do it, then we'll go, oh, that was the right word. (laughs) We cannot do that because this requires us to literally step into the land that the Lord has said, that's your land. And take possession of it by releasing the power and presence of God wherever we step. This means we have to know our mountain. Mm. Do you know your mountain? Mm. Laura, what's your mountain? Come on, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Education. She knows that's her mountain. Luke, what's your mountain? Family. Family. It burns in his heart to see families redeemed, to see the culture redeemed by having families thrive. We have to know our mountain. We have to know, and maybe we have more than one mountain. It might not just be one, but we have to know what burns in our spirit because Holy Spirit has said, this is what I've called you to. This is where you are to go and shift the atmosphere by releasing the power of God in this mountain. Because when you do, I'm going to start to move. Yes. 
As we prayed this morning, Luke really had a sense that we were actually to activate this word this morning. You guys probably know by now I'm really big on activations. It's one thing to sit and receive. It's another thing to start to take steps of action because that's where our faith actually begins to be at play and at work in our lives. And so I want us to take a few minutes in silence with the Lord and just begin to ask the Lord for downloads about our mountain. I believe he wants to begin to release strategy this morning. I believe he wants to begin to release his heart. And if you don't know what your mountain is, I believe he wants to begin to show you what your mountain is. He's got an assignment for us, church. We are on assignment. We are on mission. 2023 is the year that he has spoken this scripture over us. It's time. It's time to begin to step Forward. Okay, so remember, let's go back to the children of Israel. Remember when the Lord said to you, I'm giving you a promised land. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be yours. Every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, it's going to be yours. And he went to take them into the land by sending out some spies to, to scope it out and see what the battle strategy should be. And what was the spies' response? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> right? They said, what, did they, what was their phrase? What was their catchphrase? There are giants in the land. We can't do that. Are you crazy? There's giants in the land. So they didn't get to go in. They wavered. Hebrews tells us they wavered in unbelief. Their doubt was bigger than their faith. They wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and finally got to the point where they said, nope, can't do it. There are giants in this land and those giants are bigger than my promise. And so they missed it. And God had to let that whole generation die in the wilderness. And church, I'm telling you what, if we do not apprehend what God is saying in this hour, he will pass this generation by. And he will wait for a generation that has his heart and that says, I will believe the Lord for his word. We cannot be that generation, church. We have to be Joshua and Caleb and say, "Mm -mm. they are bread for us. They are bread for us. They're actually going to feed us. They're actually going to become sustenance for us. They're actually going to become provision for us. Those giants are going to...